love games. We're here to shine new light on the games you love in the love in your games. I'm Lucy Morris. And I'm Lauren Clinic. And welcome to episode 9, which is almost episode 10. So we have the ongoing giveaway for the Digital Love Book, which is an academic collection of essays about various topics of romance and games, from Asari to uh, Star Wars The Old Republic. So hey, you should have that if you think you like romance and games. It's a book you should have. So if you want to enter this giveaway, all you have to do is to choose what your favourite episode of Love Games is, and hey, it might be this episode because it's going to be pretty cool, and you have to tweet it with the hashtag #LoveGamesCast, and that's pretty much all you have to do. It's really easy, so hey, you should get on that. And just a reminder on the format, uh, each week on a normal show we talk about a game in depth and we examine how they've handled love, romance or sexuality in that game. But this week it's time for our very first special episode, our Mm. first interview with a guest from the industry. Oh my god. So excited. So (laughs) thank you so much for the patience, beautiful special guest. And Lucy, take it away. So we are very excited to announce as a guest on Love Games today, Kate Gray. So I had the honour of being Kate's uh, roommate at Stugan, which is a <laughs> it's a game accelerator program which is happening in Sweden annually, but it's happening again right now actually. They just started shuttling everybody back up to Stugan right now. So Kate is a bot mother, a narrative designer, and a journalist that writes quite a bit on romance content for a number of different outlets. So we're very excited to have her here. Welcome to the podcast, Kate. Thank you. I kind of want to do one of those things where someone bursts out of a drum with their own face on it, but that doesn't really work in a podcast. But I've always wanted to do that. Imagine that in your head right now. That's me. Hi. I'm imagining it. That's great. So um, could you possibly introduce yourself a little bit? So I've just barely skimmed the surface. You're a very multi-talented person. I was going to say writer, but you do so much else. Um, Yeah. From creating bots to, I don't know, like you do a little bit of everything. So tell us about that. I do. Uh, I started off as a journalist. Um, I started at official Nintendo magazine uh, around the Wii U era. It was probably halfway through the Wii U's lifetime. And so it was a difficult job to say the least. Um, You know, no one's buying the magazine because no one has a Wii U and Mm. I had to buy one for work. So (laughs) it was was tough. Yeah. I mean, I did end up loving it, but I I wouldn't have bought one if I wasn't working there. Sorry. (laughs) Um, And then I moved to official Xbox magazine, which was easier in some ways because, you know, Xbox, there's lots of games and harder in most other ways because I don't play Halo or Forza, or any of the Xbox games, really. But, you know, I found my niche. (laughs) Cool. Yeah. And how did you get from there to where you currently are? So what are you you working as at the moment? (laughs) Uh, At the moment, I have sort of three different things that I do. One is that I'm a streamer. I started doing video work. uh, After I was at Official Xbox Magazine, I started working at actual Xbox, Uh, which was a nice transition, on their YouTube channel. And then I moved to GameSpot, where I did some video there. So that's my video work history. I am still a journalist. I write mostly at the moment for uh, three places. One is a magazine called MacLife, where I do reviews of iOS games, which no one reads. I I imagine. I read it, Kate. (laughs) I love love your game listings and everything that you do for your mobile coverage. (laughs) I also write for uh, the Minecraft website, like the official Minecraft website. That's quite fun. 
Except I, I'm supposed to be writing for, I think they said, aspirational 12-year-olds. And I'm not good at that. <laughs> what a demographic. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know what, what vocabulary I'm supposed to be using for 12-year-olds. I don't know what country they come from, so I don't want mm. to make really British analogies, which I do all the time. I compare things to biscuits <laughs> a lot, it turns out. Um, I used to get in trouble for that when I was on magazines. Like, please stop making reference to biscuits, Kate. <laughs> all of us here, you know, hashtag Commonwealth, know. <laughs> understand what biscuits really are, and America yep. doesn't. <laughs> Very awkward. And then the final thing, which is the most relevant to this one, is that I write for Kotaku at the moment. Uh, it's a sort of column that I do three times a month uh, about sex in games, which is uh, very broad. So I write about dating sims, and then I also write about what is basically porn. Uh, and then I also write about sort of sexuality and gender in games as well. It's sort of a big umbrella, but it's very interesting. And some of the commenters really hate it. <laughs> But a lot of the readers really love it. Like I, I enjoy it. And obviously it's, it's sort of become a thing that I'm sort of known for. I've been writing about sex and romance in games for like four years now. I think my first piece was a Dragon Age piece. And I'm going to be talking about Dragon Age a lot. So, you know, get ready for that. Nice. <laughs> well, yes. I feel like when a very weird game comes out that has romance or sexuality in it, all three of us are often really commonly tagged into the Twitter conversation. And yeah. I just fucking love it. It's like yep, the, the best club ever. Romance games cabal. That's great. <laughs> if it's a bit weird and a bit sexy, we want to experience it. In games. In games. Yeah. In yeah. games. Yeah. In games. No judgment. No judgment outside of games, but definitely in games. Yeah. So as well as that, Kate, I do believe you've done writing work, narrative design as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm really seeing a big thread uh, when it comes to storytelling and yeah. connecting with people through, yeah, immersion, narrative and, and worlds as well. So just an incredible collection of work. Oh, yeah. I keep forgetting that I'm technically a game designer now. I keep saying like, oh... <laughs> A bunch of my friends make indie games, and I'm like, oh, I make indie games. Oh, <laughs> how exciting for me. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I can definitely understand. I'm very excited to, to see what comes from you next with your narrative oh, designer work. <laughs> me too. One of the most frustrating things about making games is that like, if, if I'm writing something in a journalist capacity, I have to wait maybe a week or a month tops for it to come out. And mm-hmm. now I'm like, oh, it's going to be like a year before... I can show you what I'm doing. Sorry. (laughs) The pain of the NDA is very real. Mm -hmm. Yep. (laughs) Well, something that we can talk about uh, are basically our experiences in games that we have talked about. And a question that I love to have with folks in the industry is to ask someone to take a particular in-game relationship that they experienced and really get them to jump into why that was really compelling for them. So, so Kate, if I asked you that question, is is your relationship a Dragon Age one? Yeah, I tried to think of one that was more recent, but I couldn't. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're among friends, Kate. We've just come <laughs> off a Dragon Age episode. The listeners love it. Let's oh, just wonderful. keep it going. Okay. Um, do you want me to just launch into, into my whole thing? Please yes. do. Please do. <laughs> Okay, so if you want some more context for what I'm about to talk about, I did write a piece for The Guardian roughly three or four years ago called, uh, I didn't choose the title, but I think it's called My Dragon Age Boyfriend Broke My Heart When He Told Me He Was Gay. 
So presumably you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, and that is Dorian from Dragon Age Inquisition, who I sort of, I don't know why, but I fell madly in love with him. Uh, I think uh, I have a bit of a thing for boys who make the first move. You know, boys who are flirty, uh, who compliment you a lot. And Dorian is like that. He's a very flirty character. And my wee little Inquisitor, who is a, a dwarf named Bess, uh, very sassy, uh, she sort of fell for it a little bit. He, he sort of, we'd come back from a mission and he'd be like, ah, you've got nice eyes or something. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, yes, let's sit out by the stars and make out. But he never made an actual move. And so eventually the thing with Dragon Age Inquisition is that they invite you on a personal mission and that's sort of the start of your big relationship because they sort of, they have an issue that they need to solve and they invite you and it's kind of like dates in the Dragon Age world, sadly. And so he goes, um, I, I need to go, I need to go talk to my dad and you're like, oh, okay, that sounds fun, let's do it. So we sort of go and talk to his dad who's this very sort of um, stern man. <laughs> mm. And this whole time we're sort of like skipping through fields and having a great time killing sheep or whatever it is you do in Dragon Age. Uh, and we've got this big crush the whole time. Yeah, and I'm thinking that this is going to culminate in a beautiful relationship. And we, we get to his house, we knock on the door. He's like, Dad, I've, I've come to talk to you. And his dad's like, Ugh, what are you doing, Dorian? Why aren't you doing the thing that you're supposed to do? Like, let's just imagine it's being a doctor. It's the equivalent of being a doctor in Dragon Age world. And Dorian isn't doing it. He's gallivanting around the world with some rando dwarf woman, me. And he goes, Dad, I'm gay. And I'm standing in the room going, um, no, I have a question about this. And... It doesn't, the, the game doesn't really give you the opportunity to go, excuse me? It just gives you the opportunity to either be supportive or something else, maybe shocked. Um, and so I'm just like, yeah, two thumbs up in the background, like, you can do it, Torian. Awkward smile. Yeah, and we, we get back to camp or castle as it is. Mm. And I, I'm like, well, hang on a second, what, what just happened? And so I go and find him. He He's normally in the library. It's implied that he's standing there reading smutty books. And uh, it actually gave me as an option basically to be like, what the heck, dude? I thought, I thought we had something here. And mm. so I said that. I was like, oh, the game actually expected me to fall in love with this flirty boy. And I did. And like, I could have felt like I'd been manipulated. Mm. But instead, I just felt like I was actually living through something I can imagine myself doing in real life. Just being like, mm. oh, we're in love. And then he's like, no, I like boys. And I'm like, hang on, what? Um, <laughs> and when I talked to people about it, they were like, you didn't know this? And no, I didn't. I, I had no idea. I'm pretty blinkered when it comes to boys, it turns out. <laughs> But he, he sort of apologized to me. I was like, what? why were you leading me on, you bastard? And he was like, oh, I'm sorry. I just really like you as a friend. And I, I couldn't stay mad at him. Um, and after that, you know, I didn't want to be alone. I didn't want to, like, go celibate for Dorian. So I <laughs> basically flirted with every other dateable NPC and eventually ended up with Iron Bull because I love Iron Bull, but he, he's pretty easy. <laughs> 
<laughs> he's very DTF, absolutely. Yeah, you just go up to him and you're like, hey, and he's like, yeah, all right, I'm naked. <laughs> you sneeze in his direction and he's like, all right. <laughs> so much more exactly. relaxingly simple than, than the Dorian situation. I really yeah. understand how you got there. Yeah, but it turns out also Dorian has like a really good butt that you only get to see if you play as a male character. So I'm a little sad to have missed that out. Like the whole sex scene is is focused on his ass. So <laughs> it it is quite amazing. But I really oh. like what you're highlighting in terms of you didn't know Dorian was gay. Mm-hmm. You you basically allowed yourself to be surprised by the game, whereas yeah. often in a narrative romantic arc in a game you're not surprised you're like i'm going to get with them mm-hmm. maybe we will have sex everything's gonna work <laughs> out it'll be easy to communicate my feelings i'm gonna understand their feelings and it'll all be all good so was this relationship impactful for you because it didn't go the way you wanted yeah i mean one of the things that i i try to both talk about and keep in mind for my own writing is the whole player sexual thing that most games mm. suffer from where everyone is bisexual, pansexual, they'll they'll date you no matter who you are. You can mm. be like a two foot tall blob and they'll still be like, oh, hey, <laughs> you're cute. <laughs> That's not usually an option in a character creator, but you know, NPCs aren't allowed to have preferences in most games because it's unsatisfying as a player to go mm. up to the person you fancy and for them to be like, ah, uh, nah, I'm not into blobs, sorry. Um, and I understand that sort of player agency is the most important thing, but I think NPC agency is something we're learning as we go, which became quite a big issue, I think, in, um, Detroit Become Human. Is that what it's called? I haven't played it, Mm. but Mm. a lot of people are sort of talking about like AI and robot agency, and that sort of ties into NPC agency in quite an interesting way. So yeah, I, I think it's impacted me in the sense that if you want to make your NPCs feel like real people, you have to kind of make them be unsatisfying to the player in some ways. And I'm okay with that. That's Absolutely. a really interesting point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I would say as well, um, from Inquisition, the same game, a lot of people had that experience with, with Cassandra as well. And yeah. her being quite a, a queer-coded woman with short hair, and then she really politely turns you down and respectfully turns you down if you're a woman that's hitting on her as well. Yeah. Um, you know, that definitely really stuck with me and surprised me. And when you've been playing games for, like, all of your adult life and a whole lot of your childhood, a game managing to still surprise you with what it's doing narratively, what a delight. Yeah, I agree. I mean, most games at the moment, or, like, for all time, cast you the player as the one person who can save the world and that also usually applies to relationships like everyone loves you no one ever has relationships with anyone else in the camp except you and actually there's a the harvest moon ds game i think which Hmm. may have been a remake of an older harvest moon is the only harvest moon i know of where npcs date each other and I wish games had more of that. I know it's really complicated, but uh, imagine if like Dorian ran off with Iron Bull and you were just like, yeah. <laughs> I saw that coming. Yeah. So obviously you play a lot of games. You write about this topic a lot. What current trends have you noticed that are emerging around this, these topics and games? So love, sex and romance. Is there any like common themes you've seen become more popular recently or... I've seen a lot of people, um, how to put it, like being a bit more varied when it comes to gender. I think 
I mean, this is only a thing that I've become aware of, like, relatively recently in the past couple of years, that the gender binary is quite uh, rigid and doesn't really represent a lot of players. And that kind of comes into play as well when uh, characters are bisexual. They're like, oh, yeah, I like men and I like women. And you're like, oh, is that it? Okay. Um, <laughs> so, <Groundbreaking. laughs> yeah. Uh, with Dream Daddy, you can play as a trans character and you can date a trans character and it's not made into a big deal. It's not part of the story. It's just a fact. And at the start, you can say, you know, you sort of tell the story to your daughter of how she was born and how you met whoever their parent was. And so you can say like, ah, I remember when your mother or when your father. So you can define whether you are a bisexual dad or a straight dad or a gay dad or like whatever it's all good of course when the game starts like all the datables are men so the implication is that no matter what your sexuality at the beginning you are into men at some point but also i wrote about this today actually there aren't enough games about gay men mm. and i would like to see in the future more of those there are Obviously, Dream Daddy is one of them. Um, but when there are so few games about gay men in relationships, mm. the the burden the ones that do exist have to bear is is much bigger. You know, Dream Daddy, people will look at it and go, oh, they didn't do this right. They didn't do that right. I wish they'd had more of this, less of this, and so on. And also, I think people get mad at, like, the dadification of <laughs> games. Like, yes. I, I've been mad at it before, so, you know. <laughs> um so that, that's somewhere I'd like to see games improve in the future. And also, I've been really annoyed at this today, but there seems to be, like, cliches within mm. dating and sex games where, firstly, they're all super anime, <laughs> which <laughs> is fine. But because I write this column about sex games, I'm like, oh, I, I just wrote about three anime games in a row. I'd really like to write about one that isn't anime. But no, they're all anime, I'm afraid. Or at least cartoony. Um, the ones aimed at straight men, all the women are skinny with large boobs. They're all very blushy mm. and mm. very, like, virginal. But they still, like, you know, just strip off at the mere mention of like literally anything it doesn't even have to be romantic you're like hey i got you a rubber duck and they're like oh god take me now um i was playing one of those yesterday like <laughs> and then all the ones that are aimed at straight women are like cute boys usually with some kind of supernatural thing going on and they're all like lithe and teenage looking with floppy hair and like i don't want that I assume that most straight men, like, don't necessarily want skinny, big boob virgin ladies. Like, there's got to be some in-between somewhere where, like, I, I don't know, like, beefy men or, like, dad bods style men for, like, women. Or something a little less samey, you know? Like, you can date a bunch of different body types and gender types and, like, all kinds of things. And that's why I like Dragon Age and nothing is really compared to Dragon Age for me in a while because, you know, it's all these really different types of people and like, yeah, everyone's kind of skinny, but it does a lot in other areas that's different. 
Mm. So we want variety. We want like we want a pick and mix, not just like a bag of one lolly, right? Yeah, and I understand why that's difficult because you know you have to flesh out all these characters, and if you have one character for every type of person, like that's going to be difficult. And that's why uh, I think people get stuck in like like tokenism, like trying to make one character all the things, like. Mm. Um, if you're like, oh, yeah. we've got to have some people of color in this game, but like, let's also make this one gay. Let's also make this one like tall. I don't know. And you end up just making a character that's everything because it's harder to make characters that are just one thing because you'll end up with 5,000 characters. And that's a little dissatisfying as well, you know? It's a very good point in terms of character representation, but even also just diversity of mechanics and diversity of gameplay as well. Mm. This whole area in games is so underdeveloped that we are still in these almost really immature kind of phases where a lot of it's been driven by, you know, heteronormative men first and what Mm. they're interested in. And a lot of it, even if it is about sex or even if it is about romance, often makes really conservative choices in terms of the characters. But also we don't have the level of innovation that, say, first-person shooters have where Mm -hmm. everyone has gotten so obsessively good at guns and ammunition (laughs) and shooting and aiming and it's well that in a sexual context is different but (laughs) but um but you know like we haven't innovated we haven't had all of the time and the investment and the specialization and the triple a versus the indie treatment nearly as much when it comes to romance and sexuality so i totally agree with you there's still so much to to explore and and so much more to experiment with. Yeah. Yeah, like the typical second year assignment if you're studying, say, game art or something, is model a gun. Imagine if you set that in a different light and, I don't know, model model a cute person you want to date or something. I don't know. Model but a butt walking. Model <laughs> a butt walking, yeah. That'd be great. And then there'd be more people skilled at making butts for romance games. But yep. yeah, it is a very ingrained trope in our industry. And yeah. looks like it's going to change slowly, but hey. I have so. <laughs> I mean, I, I was playing The Sims 3 earlier today and oh, being yeah. really frustrated by how bad it is at making, like, anything other than skinny bodies. Like, if you turn mm. any of the sliders up, they just look weirdly proportioned. Like, they have a lot mm. of weight around their midriff, but there's nothing on the shoulders or, like, on the arms or on the legs. It's just very, like, I guess it would be, like, apple shape, I think. But you can't have pear shape, hourglass shape. Like, there are lots of different body types. Like, people who have extra weight, it doesn't just all go on the same place for everyone. So, yeah. They just look uh, inflated. They don't yeah. look heavy. They don't look like they're actually carrying weight. Whereas yeah. when you see a game and there's a, a walking animation cycle and it looks like there's weight to their hips different mm-hmm. to wh- whatever other anchor point. I'm like, hell yeah, that's good. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, The Sims 4 did a lot better with this because uh, The Sims 3 and earlier ones, you can only change their face. You can't Mm. change their body. You can't, like, give them more hip or more chest or more shoulder. You can just change what their face looks like. Um, And with Sims 4, you can edit their entire body. And Sims 4 is actually, like, very progressive. You can um, change their gender in some really interesting ways i don't know if it's exactly right but it's definitely a move in the right direction and for such a huge game to be taking that on and like actually making it possible for people to be more than just the gender binary is good i i think it's it's a good step (laughs) 
completely agree. Talking yeah. about good, Lucy and I love weird. Weird <laughs> is good. Okay. And so I wanted to make sure that we talked about, Kate, the inevitable, hilarious, weird stories about things that you've done in games. I know you've had strange VR experiences. <laughs> I, you know, I know that you have been delighted and appalled at what you have played through. So I yeah. really wanted to ask about some of the weirdest things that you've done by working with romance or sexuality content. I have to say that a lot of the weirdest stuff I've played is because of Kotaku. Um, I did a similar column at Waypoint, but mm. I was allowed to write about big games, like the Christine Love and Nina Freeman and Robert Yang. I was mm. allowed to write about those. And I, so I, I guess I kind of used that as like a, a crutch because it's like everyone else is talking about this. I want to talk about this. I want to join in. And say like, yeah, these games are good, but like that's the general consensus is that those wildly successful sex game creators are mm. good. <laughs> and at Kotaku, I'm not allowed to write about anything Kotaku has written about, which is a lot, it turns out. Like even some obscure stuff, they're like, sorry, we've covered that. And I'm like, no. Um, <laughs> so I really wanted to play this game called House Party recently. It's like a weird 3D house party game where you can like i guess have sex with people but you can also punch people like it's it's weird <laughs> i think there's a story in it i don't know i haven't played it because kataka already covered it so that's a shame but instead uh are you are you familiar with nutaku or nutaku i don't know how to say it um, no, no. no, I think I've heard of the name, but okay. it sounds just like a meme <laughs> or something that I don't want to Google. <laughs> yeah, so Nutaku or Nutaku, I'm going to call it Nutaku, that sounds nicer, um, is like a website for browser games that are all about sex. So it's basically oh, cool. like the porn hub of sex games, or one of, one of a few. And so I, I've sort of been like dipping my toe in the waters because, listen, it is like 99% anime and 99% straight men games. Mm. So it does absolutely nothing for me. <laughs> mm. um, but I wanted to see, you know, what's popular. So you go on and everything is like pink and girls and butts. There's butts everywhere. <laughs> and the one that was on the banner um, right at the top, so I didn't have to look at the rest of the page, was uh, called Pocket Waifu. Mm. So that's mm. the game I've been playing this week. That's the game I'm writing about currently. And what it is, is a sexy lady Tamagotchi game. Okay. So, yeah. So you boot it up and they're all browser games, so you don't have to pay for them, but they do have microtransactions, unfortunately. Mm. And this sexy, like, naked demon turns up and she's like, I've cursed you. And I'm like, oh God, what? Who? <laughs> um, and she says, yeah, she's, she's given me this curse that women want to come to my house. And oh no, sounds like <laughs> Yeah, it's like a really contrived reason to meet women without drawing more environments, basically. <laughs> Which, like, I'm down for. Like, hey, I know how difficult it is to to crank out these games with like not a lot of time. So, mm. like, fine, 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 fine. I'm fine with that. And then a woman turns up, and she's called Mary, and she's like, "Oh, hi. Why am I here? Who are you? Okay." Um, <laughs> And there are there are four four things like Sims like need circles that you have to fill up for her. One is sleep. She gets very tired very quickly, which is worrying. <laughs> uh, one is bathroom, so she needs to wash every now and again. But of course, mm. she does that with you because she can't do it herself. One is food. You basically just give her like 
crisps. <laughs> and she's like, mm. Nutrition. And one is like fun or happiness, which uh, is achieved by playing a bunch of mini games with her face as like the counter. Like instead of Frogger with a frog, it's it's a girl's face. Good. Essentially. Uh, good. <laughs> and good. you just, you cycle through these activities until her love bar or lust bar, I don't know, the bar fills the up. Desire bar, good. Yep. And then you level up. So the first level is new girl. The second level is colleague. The third level is friend. And that's kind of where I got to because it got really difficult after that. <laughs> and every time you level up, you get a sex scene. So imagine mm. you've known this woman for maybe a day. And she's just leveled up to colleague. And she goes, oh, you've been so nice to me. I really want to want to say thank you in my own way. And her own way is to take her top off and just like fiddle with her nips. I'm like, <laughs> okay. And then the, the sexy naked demon turns up and tells me off for thinking that women are vending machines. And I'm like, you literally have microtransactions for things I can sprinkle on this girl to make her like me. I like love this. <laughs> yeah, it's called lust dust. Like dust for lust. Oh my god. Yeah. yeah. I'm losing it, I'm losing it. Um, <laughs> and then it tells me if I make a girl my girlfriend, I can take off her clothes at any point. But actually I'd already figured out how to do that. So I was like, oh, I don't care then. Kate um, is too good at playing these games. Yeah, I was just like, take off shirt, done. <laughs> if only you could stream this type of content like, I don't think Twitch would ever allow this but by I hell I would watch it <laughs> yep and the problem is that I have to take a bunch of screenshots for Kotaku but at least one of them has to be safe for work so it can mm. go on the homepage and none of them are safe for work because everyone's always <laughs> naked incredible uh, oh my god gonna bring out the black sensor bars or <laughs> um, I could do that I could do that hmm. <laughs> Well, that's just incredible, Kate. I feel like there is just so many, quote unquote, interesting decisions made with the design of that. And I'm all for games being idiosyncratic or a little Mm -hmm. bit, you know, um, hypocritical, like completely. That's totally fine. But what a bizarre little collection of of things to say that that game has got. Was it, did you say it was Pocket Girlfriend? Pocket Waifu. Pocket Waifu. Good, good. (laughs) Obviously, we have to go to this website, Lauren, and check out the the fear because this sounds very much up our alley. Nutaku is my homepage now. I was on yeah, yeah, yeah. We were talking. It just sounds open. Incredible. Chrome. There it is. Keeping Pocket Waifu in mind, and yeah, obviously you're writing about this content that's being increasingly produced for the masses. Um, what do you hope for the future of love, sex, and romance in games? Is there anything specific you would like to see improved or made? Um, I think I would like, and this this is what I've been writing for Kotaku about Pocket Waifu. I feel a bit mean because I've used Pocket Waifu as like a thing to prove all the points that I'm angry about. So sorry, pocket waifu. It's not your fault. But I want I want sex games to have a little more respect for their players. Like mm. they they very much treat all men as oh, they like boobs. They like boobs and skinny women who get shy and then take their tops off. Like that's the thing that all men like and it's not. And Maybe, oh, maybe that's just... I can't decide if men who play sex games are more likely to be into that 
or they're more likely to be into that because that's the only type of sex game that exists. And maybe mm. if we had different types, then men would be into different things. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that's not for me. That That's just for like men in general. Like men, men aren't that, that simple. And I wish the world didn't treat them as if they were. But for women, I'd, I'd like to see things that are sexy for women. But I think that's a lot more difficult without wanting to just like tar everyone with the same brush. Like, I think it's, it's difficult because generally, in my experience, men are sort of more geared towards the visual and women are more geared towards like descriptive and imagination, which is generally why women tend to read books like Fifty Shades and men tend to watch videos and play games more uh, obviously there's people in between and the other way around on on all sides so maybe there's room for for something a little more imagination-y like i have to say that the games i've played that are geared towards uh women who like men tend to be very much like oh i want to take care of you and i'm like nah no <laughs> get naked like <laughs> let me objectify okay. you yeah, and mm. people get mad at me for saying that, like, oh, we're not allowed to objectify women, but you want to objectify men. And I'm like, no, I, I objectification is fine sometimes. <laughs> like, mm. it's okay. Like, it's okay to buy a magazine full of, like, half-naked, oiled-up people. Like, mm. it's cool. Just, like, if, don't yeah. treat real people that way if they don't want you to. <laughs> yes fantasy is safe and even if we you know all of us in our own ways you know in this conversation through mm -hmm. work like this podcast and the work that Kate is doing we're trying to destigmatize women wanting to engage with sexual content romance content you know and just taking away a little bit of that of that judgment or that hesitation because I feel mm. like it's very normalized for men to be like, yeah, I'm going to play this horny, horny browser game, <laughs> but it's extremely weird for a, a cis woman to play a horny browser game. And we're laughing mm. about it because the browser game is ridiculous. But, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but even if there, if or when there is genuinely, you know, hot, sexy games, it's still, you know, I, I've had to do work to be fine with talking about that and liking yeah. to play those games as well. So... I, I think that there, there must be, like, a correlation. Like, there isn't more porn for men because that's just how it works out. Like, there's more porn for men because men are more likely to watch it. But then I'm kind of like, well, is that because there's more porn for men? I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's more acceptable for them as well. Yeah. Well, this was a thing I, I found out when I wrote a piece on VR porn, which is uh, honestly really <laughs> interesting. 97% of VR porn is aimed at cis men uh, having sex with women. There's a little bit of VR porn for gay men. Mm -hmm. And then there's there's a little bit of, of lesbian VR porn. Mm -hmm. And then there's a very, 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 very small sliver of VR porn for straight women. Mm. And it's horrible. Like, because of the nature of VR, like, basically a camera is strapped to the head of a woman... And she can't move because that would make you feel sick if you were watching it in a VR headset. <laughs> so you're a woman, like, trapped in a body that isn't yours because you probably don't look like a porn star in real life because who does? Um, and you're looking down, you're like, goodness me. <laughs> I don't remember 
any of that, but okay. And then a man comes in, a, a male porn star, so he also doesn't look like any man you've ever been with, and just starts going to town on you and you, you can't move. And he's Ooh. just, oh, it's horrible. Like, genuinely. <laughs> so I don't know. Like, I, I don't have any experiences what it's like for a man to have immobile sex, but I'm sure it doesn't feel quite as creepy because it's very popular in VR. Whereas, like, I didn't even watch it in VR. I watched, like, a like a 360 clip just to see what it looked like because I had a feeling it would be creepy. And when I watched it, I was like, yeah, that's really creepy and uncomfortable. <laughs> so, like, I do think sometimes there are limitations that mean that women don't always enjoy the same formats as men. But mm. that means that, like, maybe we should be exploring more formats. My mm. ideal sex game would be it starts like Harvest Moon with the like romance and like the really long lead up. And then once you're together, like the problem with Harvest Moon is that it's so chaste. Like they live in your house, they sleep in your bed, but like they, you don't even talk about pregnancy. Like one day they're just like, we had a baby. And you're like, how? What? Like when I go to bed, you're already asleep. How is this happening? Like it would be nice if, if there were like some, I don't know, some little sexy scenes or at least like the implication that you actually go to town on each other from time to time. But instead <laughs> it's just this like, oh, we're married, so I live here. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we all as an industry need, and you know, like we're, we're laughing about pocket waifu and things, but I'm still <laughs> so much more thankful to that developer for experimenting and having a go more than a game that just, you know, it it walks the, the beaten path. Yeah. And I think for all of us, you know, we all encourage people to experiment and get weird with their sex and romance games, absolutely. And if you've made them, even if you feel like they're a bit odd, you know, we appreciate that and, and we appreciate them, them doing that as well. So just before uh, we wrap up, Kate, I did just want to ask, do you have three or four games that you really like suggesting that your that your friends play if they say Kate you're a guru and all this what romance game should I play what little selection do you like to encourage mm. people to try I mean I love Dragon Age Inquisition so much um partly because there's nothing that's come close to it since it came out like I don't know four years ago now which is a little sad and I'm sad that there won't be a new one for a very long time uh so I have to recommend that one to anyone who hasn't played it. It's it's a lovely game. It yeah. has its issues. Every game has its issues. That's okay. I would also recommend checking out Itch. Uh, it's a little difficult to find sex games on Itch because the tags don't really cover anything. Like, you can search for nudity, but, like, some people don't tag their game nudity, for example. <laughs> I should really make a curated list so that I can say, here's oh what God, I've yes. played. Um, my most recent one was a game called Why Is This Dragon So Fucking Cute? Um, that's the title <laughs> of the game. And also a line in the game which was satisfying. And that was really nice. In general, Itch is a much lower bar for entry than Steam. So there's a lot more people just sort of telling their personal stories. So there's a lot of stuff about gender and sexuality on Itch that's really good to check out. There's also a game called Gender Wrecked which is not so much about sex, more like trying to find out what the meaning of gender is. You can also read my mm. piece on Kotaku about Gender Act if you're interested. I really like uh, Nikki Case's games, though they don't always talk about sex and romance. They There's one, 
uh, what's it called? Coming out story, I think. That sort of tells the story of like maybe autobiographical. It's sort of hinted mm. at about coming out to quite strict parents. And then the last one I want to recommend is I actually haven't recommended this to anyone, but I can't stop thinking about it. It's a game called Mirror. It's on Steam. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's um. So when I first played it, I was like, "Wow, this is tacky and and bad." Like it's a match three sex game. <laughs> so <laughs> there's a bunch of different women, and and they sort of you unlock them every time you uh, beat one of them. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> and. So they all have quite different personalities and stories, and some of them are a bit silly. Like, there's one woman who gets possessed by a demon, and that one's, like, tentacle porn. So, like, if you're not into that, you just, just skip it. <laughs> but there's one really touching scene uh, later on. Like, once you've, you've had sex with an elf thief, the, the possessed demon priestess woman, there's a cave woman that you have sex with at one point. And then Is later on... Is she a cave, you... or does she live in the cave? <laughs> No, she's she's like like she lives in a cave. Um, oh you, you're, you go back in time or something. I can't remember. <laughs> Good. <laughs> They're all very contrived. Um, but then there's one later on, which is, uh, you're playing as like a total anime nerd, going to like a Comic Con style thing, and this Roman general woman turns up and she's like, "You have to help me. You must save my country." And you're like, "Wow, what a good cosplay!" And then it turns <laughs> out, you know, she's come from the past because families in a battle or something and so you can go with her and like obviously there's the sort of match three like every time you match three a bit of her clothes falls off or something like that (laughs) but she's got this really nice story like she gets drunk with you and sort of lets down her guard a little bit and then when you go back into the past with her it kind of turns out that she's tricked you because she knew she was gonna die or something and yeah it's really actually quite touching even though Mm. like all of the sex scenes are basically them being like held down for one reason or another while you sort of do things to them but it's implied Mm. that it's it's consensual that it's cool (laughs) all right yeah yeah Yeah. and like it manages to be pretty sexy even though i'm like not usually into that Yeah, I, I just, I really liked that game and it, it took me by surprise because it is a little, a little tacky in some places. <laughs> nice, and we'll try to link to all of those recommendations when we post the episode as well. So hey, if you want to play Mirror, we'll be tweeting it after yeah. we tweet the episode. Um, so mm. Kate, if people want to talk to you about anything that we've uh, chatted about today, where can they find you on the internet? The best place is Twitter. I'm at how not to draw. Uh, I'm that on most things, so you can probably find me. Don't add me on Steam because, like, you'll just see me playing filthy games and you'll judge me. But it's for work, okay? <laughs> it's for research. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Well, Kate, thank you so much for being our first special guest on Love yeah. Games. It has been great to have a chat to you. It's great to speak to people when you're a fan of their work. Thank you so much for fighting the good fight. And (laughs) yeah, thank you so much to all the listeners. As always, you can have a conversation with us with the hashtag LoveGamesCast. I think, Kate, if you can hang out in the hashtag if anyone has questions or would like to have a little old chat. 
And yeah, let's all let's all keep in touch. Let's all spread the love, and we'll all chat again soon. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye, Bye beans. <laughs>